It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you. Yesterday was the hottest day of the year so far. And if we get another day uh, with an 18 degree uh, temperature, it'll be really lovely. If you get a chance, get out and enjoy it because there's a, a little bit of unsettled weather is due uh, soon. So enjoy any bit of sunshine we can get at the moment. Now, John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And before we take a look at what is the possible outcome of the government's meeting today. Can I just mention Madonna and her tub of pseudocream that a lot of people were talking about on social media yesterday and it's all because Madonna had been doing some social media postings as the woman is uh, often does and some of the photographs some kind of revealing photographs uh, were taken in her bathroom and somebody looking at one of the photographs spotted you know the way people when they see photographs of famous people taken in their own homes they'll zoom in to see what's in the background and particular what is on the shelves of Madonna's bathroom and lo and behold there is a tub of pseudocreme proudly sitting on Madonna's bathroom shelf. And of course, here in Ireland, everyone rejoiced in the fact that Madonna had a tub of pseudocream on her shelf because pseudocreme is an Irish product. It was developed here by a pharmacist by the name of Professor Thomas J. Smith. And it was back in the early 30s, actually 19. 19- 31. And he developed the soothing cream in the back room of his small Dublin shop. He painstakingly developed a zinc based cream to help his customers with skin ailments that they had at the time. And that's what pharmacists used to do once upon a time. They would make up their own creams and potions. And I remember actually, even when I was growing up, there was a pharmacist in Clonmel where I was raised. Um, Seamus Marr was the gentleman's name and he developed a cough bottle and I think we all grew up on if you had a cough you went into Seamus Marr for his cough bottle and he made it up himself and I don't know if pharmacists today would even be allowed to do such a thing but certainly in a former time that's what happened to the pharmacists they knew their customers they knew what their customers were coming in for and obviously this pharmacist in Dublin realised a lot of his patients had skin ailments and God knows what kind of skin ailments were around in the early 30s so he developed this uh, cream and of course it has gone on to treat a range of conditions 
conditions, everything from nappy rash to eczema. It's used for acne. It's used for bed sores. And it's also used for incontinence rash and any other kind of a minor skin ailment you might have. Take out the tub of pseudocreme and put it on and see and see how you uh, uh, how you get on. And it is now available in more than 40 countries worldwide. Originally, it was only on sale here in Ireland. But what started to happen then was as the Irish went overseas, family members started posting out the tub of pseudocreme to America, to, the, to England, to Australia and beyond. And because of that, 40 countries now sell uh, pseudocreme. And it is actually recognised as one of the greatest Irish products of modern times. Who knew? The humble tub of pseudocreme. And the product is still largely manufactured in the original purpose-built Baldoyle plant, which again was something that I didn't know. And it got me thinking and I checked in my own bathroom yesterday evening when I was reading up about pseudocreme and Madonna using the pseudocreme. Do I have a jar of pseudocreme in the house? And lo and behold, I do. There's one in the cupboard in the bathroom and I looked at it and it's perfectly fine because it's one of those things that kind of lasts, isn't it, for such a long time. I know I originally would have brought pseudocreme back into the house when Marsha came to uh, live with us because obviously when, when we first uh, when Marsha first came to live with us before she was actually adopted she was still wearing nappies so obviously I was thinking back what's the best thing for nappies to prevent nappy rash? Pseudocreme you have to swear by it and I do remember one night the little deer got her hands on a tub of pseudocreme and it was kind of at the time where she was coming out of her shell ever so slightly and I went upstairs to check her because she was very quiet and she was I was thinking that she must be going off to sleep and as I went up the stairs I could get the smell of pseudocreme and she had got her hands on a very large tub you know you can get the really big tubs of pseudocreme and I'd bought must have been on special offer I'd bought one of the big tubs and she'd managed to get the lid off the tub and it was everywhere and I was just thinking for a deaf blind little girl to put her hands into this tub of pseudocreme must have been fantastic for her because it's so so gorgeous and smooth. It was all over the bed. It was all over the wall. I mean, it was everywhere. And can I say, I never managed to wash it out of the duvet cover and the pillows. It never, ever came out. It's, so just be very careful if you have pseudocreme. Don't let it anywhere near a child. And it's, it, because if it gets on clothes, it really is just impossible to get rid of. But it just got me thinking, how many people have? Have you a tub of pseudocreme? Now, obviously, if you've babies and young children in the house, you'll have the tub of pseudocreme. But if you don't, if you have a tub of pseudocreme in your house, what do you use it for? Or what, what did you buy it for that you ended up with the tub of pseudocreme? And I'm assuming the same as Madonna it's somewhere inside on a shelf or in a drawer in the bathroom so let us know your pseudocreme are you still using it what do you find it good for and I'm wondering younger people because it's really good for acne now I know there's a massive range of creams and expensive creams on the market now for teenagers with acne but I wonder do many teenagers still use pseudocreme it's fantastic also even though we should never be getting sunburnt but if you get sunburnt it's the most cooling thing to put on a sunburn or a burn. The last time I think I would have used it, I got a burn of the iron. You know when you're ironing and suddenly your hand's in the wrong place and I had a, just a very small burn in my hand but I put pseudocreme on it and it was just so soothing. So anyway, your thoughts on pseudocreme please. Do you have a tub of pseudocreme in the house and what are you actually using it for? 1850-333-103 Now the timeline today for the government, the cabinet meeting at uh, one o'clock 
and the government plans to reopen the country are set to proceed. We're now being told at a much slower pace than expected and I don't think that is going to come as a surprise to anyone and it's because of the continued high daily number of COVID-19 uh, cases. Cabinet Committee on COVID-19, they were given, according to newspapers today, dire warnings yesterday evening from Neffet and the HSE about the transmission of the virus and the impact that it will have on the health service if it all goes pear-shaped again and we have anything like what happened at uh, Christmas we will be completely back to square one. It was anticipated that restrictions on travel, restrictions on sport outdoor gatherings and construction would be eased from next Monday April 5th but the Cabinet is now expected to postpone easing some of those restrictions next Monday and instead what will get announced today is a gradual lifting which will happen across the month of April. So I think we're going to hear a series of liftings this evening but they're not all going to be on on one date they'll all be on different dates and I suppose that will give them the opportunity to see the impact on the transmission of the virus. It can be better assessed if we open up and open up very slowly. At the meeting in government buildings, ministers were given presentations from Neffet, from the HSE and from the Vaccine Task Force. Sources at the meeting said Neffet only wanted a minor easing of restrictions uh, in the month of April. The Path Ahead Plan, that's what it's now called, it's not living with COVID anymore, it's the Path Ahead Plan uh, for easing restrictions, committed to reviewing the 5K travel ban uh, before April while also examining whether some outdoor activities including sport could be permitted. Now it is expected that the five kilometre travel ban will be lifted but it's still yet to be decided how far it will be extended. Some senior government sources have completely ruled out though inter-county travel Again, I don't think anyone was expected that the announcement today would say you can travel anywhere you like in the country during the month of April. I don't think that will come as any surprise. Cabinet ministers are confident children will be able to take part in non-contact sports. That will be in training pods of 15. That will happen in April. People being allowed to play golf, people allowed to play tennis, all under serious uh, considerations. As is permitting training for senior inter-county GAA teams. The GAA will be pleased with that. However, it is remaining unclear if sports activity will be allowed from next Monday or how much later into the month of April will it be allowed to take place. Also discussions underway about allowing people to socialise outside. Now at the moment we know two households are permitted to meet but you're only allowed to meet up outside for exercise. The government is going to consider whether they'll extend that to allow two households to meet and you can socialise at the same time. That would mean that two families could meet up. You could have a little bit of a picnic in the park if the weather is nice or you could go have a uh, cup of coffee. However, the warnings from Neffet may reduce the chances of any significant easing of restrictions on outdoor activities. Ministers are also committed to reviewing whether construction work can return in April. There's a lot of people in construction that desperately want to get back to work. The Housing Minister, Dara O'Brien, has proposed a allowing home building return on next Monday and then commercial construction that will be later in the month. And again, I'm assuming the theory would be let the home building return on April the 5th Give it a couple of weeks, assess it, see how it goes, see has it caused any spike in 
COVID cases and if it hasn't then say okay let commercial construction go on or the construction industry I don't think will be too happy with that they'll want both home building and construction to start together and of course plans to allow the remaining secondary school students return to the classroom on the 12th of April that's all expected to go ahead bearing in mind that first year second year third year and fourth year they have not been in the classroom since they broke up at Christmas so they've been out of school a good bit so there's a big push to make sure that everyone is back in the classroom school will reopen after the Easter holidays on the morning of Monday April the 12th and all children will be back in classroom. The Cabinet Committee on COVID-19's recommendations will be developed by the full Cabinet meeting which is to say is taking place at one o'clock today. Once they make agreement the Taoiseach Michal Martin will announce the plan during a live television addressed from government buildings. That's expected likely to be six o'clock today and then there will that will be a press conference then will follow with the Tornish the Lear Varadkar and the Green Party leader Eamon Ryan that will follow the Taoiseach's announcement from government building. So that's the the timeline of what is going to happen today. But I think we can almost take it from everything that's been leaked out of those meetings yesterday it is unlikely that there will be any easing of restrictions for next Monday April the 5th the best we can hope for is an easing of restrictions the following Monday April 12th On Sudocreme Hi uh, I use Sudocreme for hemorrhoids It's brilliant Nobody suffering from hemorrhoids There you go Sudocreme is the answer Loved the story about Marsha and the jar of Sudocreme My daughter did the exact same thing Oh so you know my pain girl You know my pain It is unreal to have a child loose with a jar of Sudocreme A Kildallery listener says Sudocreme as the name suggests Patricia actually does do the trick Shingles when the blisters and a niche come Sudocreme is the way to go, says a Kildallery listener and seemingly the itch of shingles is dreadful. So it worked for this listener. And Mary B in West Cork says, Patricia, in my household of teenage children, my daughter uses Sudocreme for spots. And I was interested to know, is there anybody today, young people today, still uh, using it? Uh, Mary says, hi Patricia, I use Sudocreme for spots. It's also great for sore heels and cracks. You know when your heels and as your head into the summertime and you're trying to get your feet nicely ready for your sandals and your flip-flops etc and you end up with all the cracked heels I've never tried it for that before Mary that's certainly something I'll be using this year thank you uh, for that Uh, Hi Patricia this is back to vaccines Watching Professor Luke O'Neill last night on the TV with Clear Burn vaccines won't cure all we must still Mind where we go and who we meet. The old cure. Yeah, that's for people certainly who are vaccinated until everyone is vaccinated for sure. People have to be very, very uh, careful. And Martin in Mitchestown says the virus came into this country during a leap year. It could take another leap year to get it out. Four years. Oh God, Martin, they can't open everything up until all, uh, all are vaccinated and the rollout of the vaccination is simply too slow, says uh, Martin in at Mitchellstown. 1850 We were talking about the vaccine hotel yesterday on the, not the vaccine hotel, the quarantine hotel. Quarantine and vaccine, getting them all mixed up. But we were talking about the quarantine hotel, the Crown Plaza in Dublin uh, yesterday. And in particular, the family who've come back from Perth in Australia and they transited through Dubai and the five of them are in the room. And the mother, who, who's a nurse, they're relocating back to Ireland after seven years in Australia uh, is 
really giving out about the room and how small the room is for the five of them, two adults and three children to stay for 12 nights. And says Patricia, it was not clear on the news on the TV the other evening when they showed video footage of the Crown Plaza Hotel. That family that that are quarantining coming back from Australia have two interconnecting rooms. They're not all in the one room but all the photographs that the family took show them all in the one room. Sometimes here in Ireland four-star hotel bedrooms are quite small. Four-star hotels abroad can be superior in Irish terms though the the rooms in the Crown Plaza Hotel are standard and I suppose yeah if you're going to visit for a night or two they're fine but I think this family just felt to be in there for 12 days and you're only allowed out very limited time that you can leave the hotel leave the hotel room to get out for some exercise I saw somebody say prisoners actually have more time out of their cells than people do in our hotel quarantine but that's the nature of quarantine it's, it is to keep everybody safe and can I just give a mention to something else that came in at the close of the programme yesterday and I gave it a quick mention but I might have got lost because it was at the close of the programme and I really would love if we could point this uh, young man in give him some help and uh, tell him where he should be going Uh, a 24 year old has a small company in North uh, Cork which he says thankfully has been growing gradually since he left college he's hoping to get a refrigerated van to assist with delivering food however insurance has been a nightmare to date he has a full Irish licence six years no claims bonus however it seems that he cannot keep his car and have a van for the business also and he's wondering could any listeners point him in the right direction does anybody know of a broker or any particular company insurance company that this person should go to please if you can help us with that one 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie With the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine continuing for those aged over 70 living in the community, there seems to be a bit of a worry about people who are housebound and can't make it to their local GP surgery or to their nearest vaccination centre. West Cork Doll Deputy Michael Collins uh, joins me just to highlight a case that has happened in his constituency. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. This is to do with a 92-year-old housebound woman in Bantry. Now, we were hoping to talk to her son this morning, but unfortunately, uh, due to work commitments, he can't make it to the phone. But I know you know the story, so you can share it with us. Tell us what happened in this case and how it has subsequently unfolded. Yes, uh, Patricia, and there's many more besides this 92, 93-year-old lady um, uh, in the same position. The housebound people, there's, over, there's two, about 2,000 of them between in the Cork and Kerry region. Um, that, that are unable to are infirm, they're unable to attend the doctor and they're uh, to go and get their vaccines. Obviously they're in the age bracket that should have got uh, should have been vaccinated. So in this situation and with many more of them, they, they were depending on the, the National Ambulance Service to, to call to the home to deliver the vaccine. But unfortunately that even though that's the system that's in place because the local doctor is not allowed. Uh, you're breaking up slightly, Michael, on us. If you can just move. Are we losing Michael there? Can you hear me, Michael? 
No, we are, I, I would say, I don't know where Michael is he in West Cork. He could be just in a bad signal area. We'll see if we can get uh, Michael onto uh, another phone line. But in the meantime, it gives me an opportunity to find out if there are 2,000 people across Cork and Kerry who are deemed housebound by the HSE. If any of our listeners can let us know, has your family member, these are now people over the age of 70, housebound. Have they received the vaccine? And if so, how did they get the vaccination? These are for the people that are housebound, that are not able to get out of their homes due to mobility uh, issues. Because I know when the vaccination first started, we were contacted by somebody who says, you know, for example, their mother is bedbound, a hoist would have to be used and was making the point it would be impossible uh, to get this person from the home out to any kind of a centre or any kind of a surgery. And uh, there was an and I don't know what happened. I know we had contacted the HSE who said that they were working on it. This was in the very early stages and that the National Ambulance Service was going to get involved for home vaccination. So I'm interested in hearing from anyone listening to us who has had a family member who has had, now it's got to be a home vaccination, not a vaccination where they went to the doctor or where went to a vaccination centre. If you can let us know if you know of anyone either in your own household or you're aware of uh, somebody that did get uh, vaccinated at home and I'm told Michael Collins uh, fingers crossed hopefully is back with us are you back with us Michael? Yes I am Okay uh, it's just bad bad, just bad signal Okay so you were explaining how this woman is housebound and her now her son contacted the National Ambulance Service did he? He was in contact and we've been in contact uh, for the last number of days uh, maybe going on a week and a half at this stage now uh, trying to get the, the, his, his mother vaccinated He's And what did the GP obviously. say? The GPs are not allowed to uh, bring a vaccine to the home, okay. uh, but the ambulance service are, are, are those who are supposed to administer the, the vaccines to, to the to the 2,000 housebound people in the Cork Kerry region. 5% have been vaccinated, so the very, very low percentage have been vaccinated and the vaccine has been brought to their home. Um, and, and this man was very stressed, of course, by his mother, because she's, she's on her own. He's in Dublin, uh, working from Dublin. Now she has a lot of home health calling in the outdoor, so he was concerned that she should be vaccinated. Like, and, and, and in fairness, like she was at 93 years of age, she deserved to be have that, you know, she was in that bracket that should have been done at the very early stages. So no matter what interventions or no matter what we were doing, it wasn't happening. Now, what did happen in the end was, um, and that was yesterday evening, is that the, the, the Red Cross, um, I suppose maybe after such a, a furore of, of activity in, in, in every which way, uh, the Red Cross um, uh, came, uh, collected the lady in their, in their ambulance and took her to the doctor. But like I'm more, I'm, what I'm, my concerns are: this lady, okay, she just was maybe able to to go on board this ambulance and go to the doctor. What I'm saying is, there's a lot of people that are housebound, bedbound, and unable to uh, go to a doctor or, or get on board an ambulance and go into the uh, basically into into a doctor's clinic. So I don't really know how they're administering for for those people because they certainly are looking to be vaccinated and they're not. Uh, they're not, it's not happening for them, and it's. it's uh, I think it's been it's, it's poorly ran out at the moment. I've been look. I've been calling on this for the last number of weeks above the doll in relation to people on islands who are unable to get on the ferry and and go to the mainland for their vaccinations. They they asked me in Cape and in other islands to, to make representation on their behalf. And the minister has never clarified how people will say on an island that are infirm and unable to go on the ferry to come out onto the mainland to get vaccinated in their seventies and eighties and nineties. How are they uh, going to have the vaccine administered to them? We know the National Ambulance Services was delivered, we'll say, to the people on the mainland that are infirm and unable, and that's not been happening. And it's something that 
I certainly will be pushing further with the... With because the when you go on to the HSE's rollout of COVID-19 vaccines in Ireland, it clearly states that a home vaccination can be arranged for people over 70 who cannot leave their home for medical reasons. Your GP can refer you to the National Ambulance Service for Home Vaccination. A National Ambulance Service team member will contact you to schedule your appointment. This, they will also update your GP and let them know if you have any side effects or any concerns. So it's there in black and white. But what you're saying is it just doesn't seem to be working. Unfortunately, it's not working. And that's the same. The, the whole vaccine is very, very poorly rolled out. Like it's not, not clear, not crystal clear as it should be. Because, I mean, we, we were in a pandemic for 12 months. So a vaccine was discussed, you know, seven, eight, nine months ago. So surely we should have had everything in place. Now, you know, we have the situation. I brought up in the doll last week where the County Medical Centre was to get 210 vaccines. I think they only ended up getting 85. So how many people are contacted and then had to be recontacted telling them they didn't have enough vaccines? The same in Bantry, only 40% of what they were supposed to get turned up uh, last week. And there's, there's an awful lot of uh, unfortunate situations where people are expecting to be vaccinated and wanting to be vaccinated and, and then being rang and told, sorry, you're, we don't have enough, or else you're in a situation that you're at home and the National Ambulance Services are not delivering the vaccine well, it's, it's, well, it's, well, one of our listeners says, my mother-in-law is housebound. The Am- National Ambulance Service were to come to her three weeks ago to give her her vaccine. They have never come. She's still waiting. She's 97. She's living in uh, County Limerick. So it's not just a County Cork problem. It looks like it is a, a nationwide issue. I wonder, um, Micah, would you be able to get numbers on how many people have actually been vaccinated through the National Ambulance Service and is it is it just the case that the National Ambulance Service are swamped and they just don't have the personnel or the ambulances available? Well I have them figures here, they're saying 5% of the 2,000 people in Cork Kerry region um, of, of, of those who are unable to attend the doctor's clinic for whatever have been vaccinated have been vaccinated so 5% is a very very low percentage by the National Ambulance Service so it, you know it, it could well happen that the National Ambulance Service don't have the vaccines that's the other side of the that they don't want to do their job because there's no better people to look after people the people in the, the ambulance service but they can't do it if they don't have the vaccine so we have a, a situation what I can't I find astonishing sometimes you, you know we see the issue with the Beacon Hospital uh, la, la, over the weekend there's 200 the vaccines left over. So, so many vaccines left over in some places and not enough vaccines getting into places that need it. And these people that are infirm and have home health calling in and have carers calling in and caring for them, they desperately need that vaccine. They're at high risk. And they've been left there. You uh, would wonder when, the, when, the, when, thankfully, the Red Cross managed to help out that uh, lady in Bantry. You'd wonder why they didn't pass this on to the Red Cross to do it. Yeah, I think maybe that's something they're going to have to do. But then, you know, OK, that lady may have been strong enough to get on board the Red Cross and go down to her doctor. But how many people, unfortunately, are be- to the point that they can't leave the bedroom, uh, you know, and mm. can't be taken out by it? They need that administered in the home. Mm. And, and, and and when it's in black and white that the National Ambulance Service are supposed to do that, well, the National Ambulance Service needs the va- the vaccines and needs the, the manpower to, to deliver that to the to the homes. It's, you know, and it, it's kind of same at the islands. It's not going to take rocket scientists to get around to all the islands and, and, and get this sorted in the homes of, of maybe where there's only four or five or ten in an island that might be in that age bracket that are unable to come onto the mainland. And unfortunately, they, it hasn't been delivered to the yeah, islands. Yeah, but there should be a plan for the islands that w- when you do everybody over the age of 70, whether they're housebound or not, and you do them all in one fell swoop. I mean, that's the easiest and the most sensible way to do the islands, yeah. isn't it? It, 
it is. That's not rocket. That's not not rocket. Rocket science, um, uh, uh, for sure. And I can see, and I knew the minute we'd start talking about vaccines with the over seventies, this would happen. A listener says, myself and my husband are over seventy. We're active, so we're well able to get to the doctor's surgery. But we haven't got our vaccine yet. We're in the Mill Street area. Any idea when we're when we're going to get it? And I know we're going to be talking about the vaccination uh, centres, the one at CIT uh, later on. There, it's it's very frustrating, isn't it, for some GP practices are getting enough and are vaccinating people and then other GP services just have to wait until they see how many vaccines yeah. they're getting. And I think like, from what my gathering, uh, the information that we're gathering in my office, that uh, GPs are being told they're going to get so many uh, next week. And, and unfortunately, when it, and, and I mean, I presume they start scheduling in people to call in to get the vaccine. And the next thing, they don't even get anywhere near the amount of vaccines they were supposed to get. And unfortunately, situation that start bringing people in, telling them, "Sorry, we were disappointed. We didn't get what we have." So there's a, you know, it's unfortunately it's very poorly, you know, being administered from the, from the top down. Like it, it should be very crystal clear. They should have been very much prepared for this uh, in advance, you know. And unfortunately, it looks like they're not. And you can see in a national issue, we're not getting the vaccines that we obviously the nation wanted. Uh, it's it's a big issue in, in Europe. The UK seems to be able to command any any amount of vaccines they want. That's a, another a, big, a far bigger issue, but certainly we're not getting our fair share. And the problem is, if they're not, if they're, and it's not filtering down into the doctors' clinics. Well, well, we're, get, we're, we're, we're getting our. Whether we don't think it's fair, we're getting our share from Europe. It's been divvied yeah. up across Europe. I mean, every country in Europe is is in the very same boat. We are, but the unfortunate thing, uh, Patricia, is that the, the UK, who are no longer in Europe, seem to be able to uh, yeah, get a, yeah. a far bigger share than the, the rest of us. And what I what I didn't, I, I, and I brought that up in the doll last week, is that Boris Johnson said, let's all walk together when he heard that Europe might tighten up the, the flow of vaccines into the UK, and let's all walk together and let's all be friends of this. But I said, in Brexit, a year ago, he wasn't saying yeah, that. He yeah, wasn't yeah. the same sentiment he was yeah. saying, move Abs- out and get out. Absolutely. And Joe and Joe Manway says, if an ambulance failed to attend an emergency at my home because they were administering a vaccine to somebody, there would be uproar. And I, I kind of agree with Joe. I don't know why the National Ambulance Service has been tasked with this when we have such fantastic Red Cross volunteers dotted all over the country. I don't know why Red Cross haven't been tasked with, with doing this uh, instead. And someone else says, in the good old days, doctors made house visits. Now you're expected to get sick between nine and five. That the doctor call on his way and give the injection simple but it's not that simple because the MRA vaccines don't travel isn't that the case Michael you have to go to either a surgery or a GP practice Absolutely it's not uh, it's not the usual type of vaccine at all so it has to be very much under proper controls and, yeah. and uh, the GP and the refrigeration and all of yeah, that they have that but look in fairness for these people that are in the you know in the elderly bracket that can't leave their homes the National Ambulance Service is apparently the only way it's not working so we need to either relook at that immediately or, or, or get it rolled out properly to whatever means, and whatever ways they have. But certainly, look, this lady got started in 93. It was unfair that she had to be taken by Red Cross. But look, she was maybe just that little bit able to do that. But a lot of people aren't. And we need to, it's a big concern. There's a lot of people can't take Okay. Okay. And, and very finally, what are your hopes for the lifting of restrictions today? I would. I know it's not going to happen, but I would like to see county by county uh, lifting. I've called for that, uh, or maybe in the last two weeks. I think Cork County has been excellent in, in, in their. Uh, I, I think the way they've been, their, their focus on that, on basically on the the whole uh, 
uh, the whole coronavirus and, and we our numbers are very, very low in the Cork Kerry region and I think it's the only way. Look, construction should be open. So sorry, very, you, very you, you would like to see us being able to travel across the county? We should at least be able to travel within our own county because it's, it's it, it, they're going to say today, most likely they're going to raise the, the five PMT came. That's of no that's of no benefit to people in rural Ireland. I mean, if if you're in if you're in Skibbereen today and you want to go to Bendham, you can't be on the five games straight away. And there is there is some speculation this morning, though, Michael, that they are going to allow county wide. I'd be delighted, and I'd call for that in the dawn, and I'd call for that in private because I think, and it, it's a reward to people that have worked so hard to try and do the right thing, and still they have to continue to do the right thing. But I give them a reward and give them a focus, and it's like it's good for your mental health. It's good. People have been restricted movement, and they're, you know they're pulling the hair out of their head, Patricia. Yeah. And you know, yeah. and I'm saying I'm looking at construction. There's a few things that need to reopen immediately because our economy is is, is, is shattered, and and people at their homes have unfinished. You know, roofs open and water getting in, and uh, you know, just, just, just devastation for quite. So, I think county at least that people can travel within their own county would be a massive start, and it would be very welcome. But I, I'm very worried that won't happen today. If it goes from five to eight kilometres, it's a waste of time to rural Ireland. It has no benefit to my constituency and, and to people of Cork County. is a big county, but we definitely have kept the levels in Cork very, very low and controlled. Uh, in, in in the last boat in the last month or so, the biggest problems we have is Dublin, and unfortunately, Dublin is going to continue to be the issue. But the government is dictating its opening on based on what's happening in Dublin, and I think they need to look outside the circle in in relation to countries that have uh, proved to be excellent. And uh, and so uh, say all of us, Michael. Listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that, and thanks thank for joining you. us, uh, West Cork Independent Judge uh, Deputy Michael Collins. Cork today on C one hundred and three with John Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. Cmig.ie. Let's stay on the lifting of restrictions because yesterday we spotted a tweet from Ireland South MEP Sean Kelly that I think families with children, especially those into sport, will agree with Sean. Kelly MEP uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Sean, you were questioning yesterday why outdoor sports is not permitted under Level 5 restrictions in this country. Explain why. Well, I have been over Brussels for the last three weeks because obviously of restrictions and quarantines and so forth, so I stayed for three weeks. And uh, I would go for a walk into Parliament and out from Parliament again and I would pass a big park. And from dawn to dusk, there were young people playing soccer, playing basketball, training for boxing, uh, running, athletics, you name it. And I said to myself, Belgium and Ireland are both in uh, level five lockdown. And yet, there are completely different rules, especially to outdoor activities in the two countries. And I felt all along that it's been very, very hard on young people in particular to be locked up at home, basically, not being able to play uh, football or soccer or rugby or whatever. And I think back to my own days. If I had to do that for a full year, it would have been absolutely, almost criminal nearly. You, you just A year out of a young person's life is an awful lot of time. And I said to myself, OK, if this is necessary, fine, but let's see the reason behind this. And how come two countries have completely different approaches to the same problem? And figure, COVID-19 figure-wise, are we pretty much the same with Belgium? Much the same. Much the same. It's risen in Belgium recently. But again, that's because uh, 
I think that it's probably maybe less restrictive in Belgium in terms of uh, movement. That's possibly one reason, again, of course, there will be a population and more dense. But obviously, they don't attribute it to outdoor activity of playing games. And that's where I was raising the question. And have they allowed outdoor training in all different sports? Have they allowed that throughout all of the different restrictions? And for young people, they allowed officially, I think it was 15 young people to be able to go into a park under supervision of uh, the manager and trainer do what they want to do. And uh, that has continued. Uh, whereas we in Ireland, we have every GA pitch, every soccer pitch, every rugby pitch, all with the gates locked, essentially. And where is the science? Because what I want to know is, where is the evidence that 14 or 15 young lads kicking a ball around outside in the open field is leading to the spread of COVID? That's the question that hasn't been asked and should be asked and should be answered. Because if there's an answer to it, grand, we'll accept it. But if there isn't, you'll say why. Yeah, and, and I think you're right to draw a comparison. If they're doing it successfully in another country, they must have science backing up why they're doing it. So, you know, if our science is disagreeing, well, let's compare both science and see who who's who's right in this. Are you hopeful that when we get an announcement later this evening, because it does look like sports are going to open up, particularly for children, are, are, are you hopeful that that will be announced today? I am hopeful, yes. But again, I will say... Yeah, it would be the right thing to do. But is it being done because of pressure? People like uh, Michael, who was on with you earlier on, pointing out the flaws in the present system, the way it affects people's mental health, the way it has affected uh, uh, violence, in domestic violence, you name it, the whole pile of things. Is that the reason? Or is it because scientifically they said, yeah, we look at this, this doesn't make sense, so let's change it. Well, it's so, an effort recommendation, so we're, we're assuming the science behind it. Well, but I mean, I, I must say that uh, there should be science behind it and I'd like them to explain the science, but I hope it isn't just because of pressure from the public and politicians that they say, OK, there's too much pressure on here, let's ease this and it will take away some of the pressure from us. I hope it's, as you said exactly, Patricia. Yeah, they yeah. Say, We're doing this and the scientific reason is the following. Everybody then can accept that and tie in with it, but not to be just changing things for the sake of changing them, or having restrictions, which is worse, for the, just so that nothing can go wrong. I mean, the easiest thing to do is lock everything down, make everybody stay where they are, then you'll be covered. But that didn't work in the past because it wasn't effective, and then we had a, a spike, and then we went back out again, and now we're coming into more lockdown. So where is it going to end? The only end, I suppose, in reality, is the vaccines. And we hope they can come as quickly as possible. Any sign of any extra vaccine coming from the EU to Ireland, Sean? I think there's going to be a lot of vaccines available over the next month because they have got uh, extra uh, production capacity in factories and so forth. And the, all the talk I'm hearing from my colleagues is that over the next month there'll be a big ramping up in the vaccines available. Maybe a bit late, but especially later never. And the Johnson & Johnson, which is the one-shot one that's due. I think now they're pushing that out. I think it's the end of April. We're expecting that into the EU to be distributed across all the countries. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we okay. have uh, quite, a couple of, quite a few vaccines now, plenty of production capacity. And I think that uh, we will find in a month or two that there should be uh, quite a lot of vaccines and that we'll be able to get moving on it 
pretty quickly. Okay. And just very finally, because I was thinking you last week and over the weekend with the clocks going forward last Saturday, because it's an issue I've spoken with you about in the past many, many, many times. Are we any closer to ending this outdated practice? Unfortunately, I have to say no. We were closer to it over a year ago when Parliament voted overwhelmingly to end this. In fairness, the Commission, there were four proposals. Member states then looked at it. Many of them said yes, but some of them, including our own, let me say, said no. And uh, then we had a change of Commission, so we have to kind of take it back up again. I have written to Commission President Ursula van der Leyen to uh, reinstitute the proposals and try and get it done as quickly as possible but I'm waiting for her initiatives to see what she will do Okay Alright because it is such an outdated practice for sure Listen uh, Sean thank you for that uh, Stay safe and thanks for joining us on the programme Much appreciate it Good thank morning you to you Bye bye That is Ireland South MEP Sean Kelly You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed by the way, we've had a couple of calls in from people who seem to be having problems collecting their disability allowance at their post office today. We're looking into it to see well, if it's a technical glitch. I don't know for sure, but a couple of people have been on to say down to their local post office and seems to be a number of different post offices across the county certainly at the moment from the calls and the texts that we're getting in so we're getting on to on post and to, onto the department to try to see what's going on so bear with us on that we're not ignoring your uh, texts and thanks to a listener responding to the young business person who contacted us who's having difficulty getting van insurance and car insurance at the same time little successful business that's been growing and it's terrific to hear of a 24 year old setting up a business in North Cork and you know growing gradually and now wants to move it on and is hoping to get a refrigerated van to assist with delivering food um, it's obviously a food related business but is having difficulty getting insurance even though a full Irish licence six years no claims bonus but has come up against a brick wall in that can't keep a car and a van for business and obviously they want to have both they don't want to be driving around in their personal use in a refrigerated van. Somebody has suggested that our listener goes to a Brosnan Golden in Mallow. They're a brokerage in Mallow and that they should be able to help you out and in particular said somebody ask for Julianne <laughs> even giving you a name so try Brosnan Boylan and Golden Brokers in Mallow and hopefully they will be able to help you out talking of help let me before I go back to many texts that are coming in about the different issues we're discussing today let me see if we can get some advice for one of our listeners who when you hear the email you'll realise why she doesn't want us calling out her name so we're just referring to her for the sake of calling out the email as Paula and she is looking for advice and is anybody else in the same boat as her are you were in the same boat as her how did you get around it and how did you get out of it and it reads Dear Patricia please don't call out my name I'm a married lady married to a kind and a good man as my husband with over 40 years we've had our ups and downs we've struggled through a couple of very big issues over the years but we've always come out the other side for example we buried a child but we still carried on together now we seem to be falling apart at the seams when we should be out the other end. All I can see now are his faults. Am I wrong? He has a problem, for example, in apologising when it is his fault. He can twist things around that I am the problem, not him. What would you say to a man who just doesn't think? I'll give you an example. I told him a secret a few weeks back. 
I found out that he went on to tell two other people. It was a big secret and I should not have said it to him in the first place. But I thought, being married for 40 years, that I could trust him. Now, there's another issue going on. He showers once a week, washes his teeth once a week, changes his underwear twice a week. He snores very badly and as a result of that, I've had to move out to another bedroom. When I did that, this, he asked, can you not take a sleeping tablet? He is a good man. So am I wrong to be identifying all of these faults and problems now? I've asked him before, but he goes off into a huff. So I just end up putting it off. There's no point confronting him. I'm afraid now that we are going to lose each other. The closeness that we once had seems to be gone. I feel selfish because he would give me anything. And I know we are a lot better off than other companies couples who may have money worries or may have health problems. What do I do, Patricia? I'm at my wit's end because all I really want, I want my good marriage back. Thank you for listening. And it's just heartbreaking to to once have had that closeness and now for whatever reason over the years, the closeness is disappearing. And, and I'm sure that Paula, our listener, I'm sure she's not on her own. I'm sure other couples have had this same problem that you just, you know, it's like an old coat. It's hard to discard. You just get used to falling into the same routine. But she doesn't want it that way and she shouldn't have it that way. You shouldn't. I mean, if you're if you're married over 40 years, that was a generation that possibly got married in your early 20s. They might only be in their early 60s. So there's a lot of living left to be done. And, and you are right in your email, Paula, when you say we should be out the other end. You should be sort of looking forward to retirement if you haven't already retired and looking forward to spending time together. Maybe when this pandemic is gone, doing maybe some travel, if it's around the country or going out outside uh, the country and just being together and not having all the normal worries that you have with raising a family and growing up and mortgages and all the other bills that come through with your younger working life. You should be at the stage where you're out the other side and and just enjoying it. The hygiene issue is a completely separate issue. I don't know if that's always been going on, but definitely your husband does need to shower more than once a week and God help him if he's only washing his teeth once a week. I hate to think of the condition his teeth must uh, be in. And snoring badly, there's so many couples go through that and you're not on your own in moving to another bedroom. But that that shouldn't, that's to give you a good night's sleep. That shouldn't in any way take away from the intimacy of the relationship. It shouldn't in any way take away from closeness just because you choose to uh, sleep in different bedrooms. Look at the Queen and Prince Philip. They've always slept in different bedrooms and they still seem to be as close. So does any Anybody have advice for this listener? I do. I do think it's hard when you say that, you know, you've tried to talk to him about it, but he just gets, he goes off in a huff and, you know, almost trying to make it look like, oh, this is all your fault. And, and therefore, I can understand why you just put off any kind of that confrontation is the wrong word. But what, what you desperately need to do, which is the hardest part, you need to sit him down and he needs to hear in many ways, what you've poured out in this email, he needs to hear that what you want back is your good marriage. And he probably wants it back as well. But he needs to understand that you want and you need the closeness and to be certainly to be intimate. I think his hygiene needs to. And that's a hard one to say to anyone. You need to wash yourself a little bit more. But, you know, I think that needs to be put up on the table as well. But you need to. What Joe Heffernan, we should really ask Joe about this, actually. What Joe would be saying is, you know, you've got to pick your fights, pick your battle and pick the time 
that you're going to have this conversation. I mean, don't, you wouldn't be having this conversation if he's in bad form or if he's come in from a busy day, day at work. You need to have this conversation when both of you are relaxed and there's there's nothing simmering, like there isn't a row simmering over something silly that, that has happened. But I do think communication is the key to this and it's going to be the key to trying to get your closeness and to try to get back to that good marriage that you once um, had. And, you know, the very fact that you journeyed on having buried a child, which is probably the most difficult thing that any parent can do. And for a couple, it has in the past seen couples split up because couples can't deal with the loss of a child. And some couples will admit to you that their marriage and relationship went because of the loss of a child. And you managed to get through that and stay together and obviously supported each other through that. So you you have had a good marriage and you know what a good marriage uh, is. Uh, to me, I think it is communication, how you set that up, how you set up that scenario. Maybe you need to have like a notepad and pencil with you and have your points clearly made out so that you can get across to him what he needs to hear. But I think you've outpoured it very well in your email. So you, you just you need to get him to hear that and to hear it coming to you and and for it to come from the heart, from a good place, it's not that you're sitting him down to pick on him. That's why maybe talking about the hygiene side of it at that particular meeting might be something for a later date. But I think it's to get back on track for an understanding and to have your good marriage back and that love that you once shared. And it's still there somewhere. It's just to, just to find where it's gone. Anyway, that's my my rant. If anybody else wants to throw in their top and halfpenny worth, if anyone has advice for Paul, as I say, I don't think Paul is on her own. I think there are probably other co- other couples probably listening uh, to me will identify with this as well. After so many years of marriage, does it all just get a bit stale? How do you how do you keep the spark going? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. If you want to offer advice to Paula, or text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three, or like Paula did. You can email Patricia at c103.ie. Okay, some of your thoughts coming in on other issues we have been speaking with. We had Deputy Michael Collins in the last hour. Heidi says, well said to Deputy Michael Collins. Uh, It is not all about what happens in Dublin. The government always seemed to look no further than Dublin. It really is frustrating. Ireland is a much bigger country than that. Uh, And yeah, and because we've got figures rising in Dublin at the moment, it does seem to be that all the restrictions are about Dublin and yet we're doing so well here in Cork and Kerry and we suffer because other parts of the country don't seem to be able to keep the figures down as low as we are keeping them here. It's it's really, really uh, frustrating. Patricia, as you are talking about vaccines and particularly housebound patients needing to go to the doctor's surgery to get the vaccines, I saw a person in McCroom uh, lately having great difficulty getting an elderly lady from a van into a wheelchair and they were out on the side of the road because they were trying to get into a doctor's surgery that didn't have parking facilities. It was a cold, wet, windy day and the elderly lady had a cap and a wrap around her to try to keep her warm. I presumed that she was there trying to get into the doctor's surgery to get her vaccine. My heart went out to them as I feel that the most that they must have had a ter- must have been a terrible experience for an elderly lady at that age, being nearly manhandled out of the car into a wheelchair to get into the doctor's surgery. And you know what is really bad at the moment with the pandemic? In normal times pre-pandemic, 
if you witnessed something like that, you'd be rushing over to say, can I help in any way to get the lady out of the car? But of course, at the moment now, we're so afraid to go near anyone. I was in a supermarket only a couple of weeks ago and an elderly lady dropped something out of her basket and I went to go over and then I, I, she sort of looked and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm too close to you. So I said, if you move away, I'll pick up the item. So I picked the item up, left it back up on the shelf and I said, if you want to pick it up now. I mean, it was just, you know, and I hope that we don't lose that ability that we're always so good at in rushing to help somebody. But you certainly do stand back and you just stand back and observe something as distressing as that, helping somebody, you know, on a cold, wet, windy day, helping getting an elderly person into a wheelchair. Anyone nor- normal times would have rushed over to help, but you can't. Yeah, it really is hard. Uh, somebody else says, I think it's a disgrace that doctors can't call out to the house, no matter how sick anybody is or how old you are. You're always old, you've got to go to the doctor's surgery. I feel this government is a disgrace. Tonight, people are living in hope that some of the restrictions will be eased and will be eased a good bit. But again, there will be no hope at the end of that announcement. They will leave people down all over again. What good is it people meeting outside when we're doing that already? England never had this 5k restriction and people now are allowed to call into each other's houses. My sister told me England will be back up and running a little bit after the 1st of April. They are saying they can't get the vaccines. This is not an excuse said this listener. We need a president and a good government to work together to get this country back up and running. And this listener is in the brigade of get Boris over here to run uh, Ireland. And back to housebound patients over the age of 70. This is from a North Cork uh, listener to say, Hi, my mum is 86, non-verbal, non-mobile, living with me as I'm her main carer. We have carers calling three times a day, which I know is a risk, but I really couldn't manage without their help. My children are all returning to school, primary and secondary, and eventually will return to GAA training. I have no official update from the HSC or the National Ambulance Service as to when my elderly mother will get her vaccine. I'm not happy with restrictions being lifted until at least my mother is vaccinated. This is my thinking on it. For my mum to receive her vaccine, one injection is taken from an unopened vial. And due to storage of these vaccines, it is because of the remaining vaccines that will not be used or cannot be used immediately may be resulting in the delay. Why wasn't my mum vaccinated when vaccines were delivered to many of our local nursing homes? She should have been vaccinated when our local nursing home residents received theirs. First my mum, then carry on to the nearest nursing home with the open vial and use it immediately. The nearest nursing home, by the way, is less than four miles away from my house. They're from Moy Mitchellstown area. Maybe this was impossible. Can somebody clarify this? I think maybe five or six injections is in each vial. I'm annoyed with the news on vaccines being given to people that are not due them. Thanks. Please don't call out my name or the exact location because I want to protect my mother as I depend on the HSE and their supports. I don't want to be critical of them as I couldn't have my mother here without their support. I'm very grateful to them but we we should be able to manage this better for the well-being of my uh, mother. Uh, it needs to be highlighted because how many others are bedbound in the North Cork area? Well, according, I was taken aback. According to Deputy Michael Collins, there's 2,000 bedbound over the age of 70 patients across Cork and Kerry. I mean, that's a huge number and only 5% so far 
the National Ambulance Service have managed to get out and vaccinate, vaccinate which is crazy. But And your, your very simple solution would work. And that is one of the reasons the vaccine doesn't travel, so they can't bring a vial out. But your solution would work. Take the first dose out of the vial, which has about five or six, I think most of the little bottles they're getting six vaccines out of. So do the first one and then go straight into to the nearest nursing home. Or the other end of it would have been when they do five, the sixth one, the last one, have somebody on standby ready to get in the National Ambulance Service to get in. Our, I keep pushing the Red Cross. They're trained and, and I'm assuming many of them are trained as vaccinators, if not train them up as vaccinators and let them be ready so that when they have five people done in a nursing home or in a GP practice that there's one dose left in the vial, hand that to somebody from the ambulance service or the Red Cross and let them go out to the house of the bedbound patient because obviously all of the GP practices will know how many of their patients are not going to be able to make it into the surgery. So yeah, again we go back to the famous saying it ain't rocket science but they just don't seem to be able to get it uh, right. And a Cork listener, this is by text says, um, hi Patricia, as I listen to you speak regarding the lifting of level five restrictions, what good are 15 children training in a field or somebody playing tennis if they have courts uh, locally? What are they doing for us in our late 70s and into our early 80s? We've been locked up now for the bones of a year. What a disappointment to hear they're not going to allow outdoor bingo. Nothing for us. Even if we could travel anywhere around the county with a car, we simply can't afford to do it. And we've no bus service. So once again, we seem to be the forgotten group. One day the powers that be will be at our age, but it'll be too late for us then, says a Cork listener who reckons anything that's been spoken about being possibly lifted today is not going to be of help to the over uh, 70s. 1850 333 103. John Paul continues to take your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A part-time driver with a C1 licence is wanted for work. One to two days per week, please. It's in the new market area. Applicants are wanted for a project worker now being taken for the North Cork School Completion Programme. While Cronin's Hardware in Ballylicky, they have a number of vacancies. They're looking for shop assistants, store person, admin worker, a van delivery driver and a driver with a full Arctic driving licence with experience in HGVs. And a baking assistant is wanted for work in Canturk. You must be available for early mornings and also on Saturdays. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Can I just go to some of the commentary that has come in in relation to Paula? who contacted us by email with relationship issues, married over 40 years. And she says he's a good, kind man. And even in her email, she she says, is there something wrong with me that all I seem to be seeing at the moment are his faults? And he doesn't seem to be able to communicate with her in any time. She tries to have any kind of a discussion with him. He goes off into a huff. Now, the discussion seems to be when she tries to point something out to him. But she says he is, he is a good man 
and she's feeling is she wrong to be even seeing all these falls. There is an issue around hygiene, okay, but I mean, we'd, we'd hopefully get over that one, but she's trying to get the closeness back. And she also seems to have a little bit of a problem in that she can't trust him, in that she told him what she felt was a big secret. And she only told him because she felt she could trust him. Obviously, it was obviously something going on within the family. And he ended up going on and relaying the story to two other people. And she was she seems to be really hurt about that uh, as well. But as she says in the email, she's at her wit's end, but she wants her good marriage back. And they've been through, they've battled through all the things you go through in married life, including, and very sadly and unfortunately, they buried a child. Anyway, some of your thoughts coming in on this. Uh, Patricia, that lady could be telling you my story. Tell her she very much is not alone. I married 43 years. I have the exact same issue, including the hygiene one. And the hygiene one, that's a really difficult one to live with somebody who is showering once a week and only brushing their teeth once a week. That is, a, And I don't know, is that a new issue for both Paula who wrote to us and this other lady who's, who's texting? Is that something as men get older, they decide that they don't need to wash uh, as much? much. Uh, Tim reckons that they need to go for professional advice. She needs to sit down along with her husband and speak with a, a counsellor. Carmel in Mitchellstown says, uh, Trish, in relation to Paula's email with regard to her relationship, tell her the only way out is absolutely communication. They need to sit down and they very much need to have a third party. Sitting down with just the two of them won't work as he won't listen and then they'll end up with more bitterment, more frustration, more angry words are as he's done in the past. He'll just storm off and go into a, a huff. They needs to be arranged as quickly as possible in order to reclaim their relationship uh, back. But I take it Carmel's message is it is possible to get that relationship back and that's what she wants. She wants to have her good marriage back. So they once had a really, really uh, good marriage. Uh, John says, in relation to Paula who emailed about her husband, depending on what a couple have had to face in their marriage, it might be that it's not until they get through the hardest difficulties that they have the space to consider other issues. In order to have a chat, would the lady in question be open to suggesting that she would be open to listening to any concerns that her husband might have? about her or about their relationship. This puts it out there that this is not necessarily a one-way chat. This might be easier for him to engage with. However, I would only put out that invitation if you're prepared for the possibility of getting feedback that you might not like either. That's just some thoughts, says John. It might also help to include all the things she likes about him to balance it out. And again, we're back to having some kind of two-way communication. It's very much about sitting down together in a very calm environment and trying to have that conversation. Patricia, lockdown is causing a lot of us to struggle. We need to live. We need to breathe. We're not meant to be together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's actually killing relationships and it's killing people. People's mental health is on the floor. And I've said this to you before. Lockdown is killing far more people than COVID has done or ever will do. We're locked down now more than ever before we had the vaccine. Let us out. We've been locked down long enough, kind uh, regards. And uh, yeah, and I do think you're right. I do think a number of relationships are coming under pressure and are coming under under strain. I don't, I don't know if that's what's happening in Paula's case as well. Particularly people perhaps where husband and wife both before the pandemic had been working 
and heading off to work every morning. So it was breakfast in the morning. See you, darling. You know, kiss on the cheek. Off you go. And then everybody went about their business. And they came back in the evening and they spent a couple of hours together and they went to bed and it rolled on. And the weekend, you got to spend uh, time together. But people who are both working from home and if there's homeschooling going on with children, there are, there are a lot of people, I think, in relationships that are struggling and are finding it difficult. I don't know how many are going forward for counselling and will there be a number going forward for counselling when we come out of the pandemic? It certainly will be will be interesting but I suppose very much the tone of the comments coming in very much reflecting that Paula's not on her own and what she shared with us in her email. A lot of people are struggling as well. 1850 Now Dr Mike Thompson from the Immokilly Medical Centre is the GP lead at the COVID-19 vaccination centre at the Bishopstown campus of the Munster Technological University that we still called CIT. To find out how the centre has been going, Dr Mike uh, once again joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Mike. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you? I'm, I'm very well and you're very welcome. I've been following you on Twitter every weekend where you've been updating us. How many weekends are you up and running now at uh, MTU as it's called? Yeah, we've three done and three to go. So uh, halfway there. So the 85 plus, 80 to 84 and 75 plus will all have had their first doses by now. In fact, because of we're giving Pfizer, Patricia, as you may know, and normally you get six doses in a vial, but with special syringes that we've been provided, we're getting an extra dose. Great. And there's been a few uh, people who haven't been able to attend. So we've been able to leak a little bit into our 70 to 74 category to start with. Now, not everyone. That's this famous contingency list that you hear about on the radio. So that's where we're at now. So we would, the second doses for the 85 plus have just been done as well this weekend. So on the 10th of April, we'll be doing the second doses of those 80 to 84 and the first doses for any remaining 70 to 74 year old people. And again, people will be contacted by their GP. It's a pre-booked clinic. Uh, I think we're 24 practices at the moment and people whose GPs aren't in the CIT MTU hub they're probably broadly similar at the same pace as us too as well maybe a week ahead maybe a week or two behind so again it's pre-booked clinic everyone over 70 no one will be left behind very few of our patients would be truly housebound and the National Ambulance Service has started doing home calls for those vaccinations as well yeah, we've had we a few would, people yeah. on about that this morning who are frustrated by by, by that. Um, yeah. that. It is rolling out, but it's slowly rolling Slow. out, is it? Yeah, I think it's 300 and they've, they've another 300 to do next week, I think. Okay. Yeah, it is slow, but again, lots of some cohorts haven't started their first Pfizer vaccine either. Um, so we would hope, I think most, in fact, I would say nearly all ambulant patients will over 70 should be done have had their second dose in the country by mid-May Alright that's good that's, that's good and that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah that's nearly half a million people I have to say we haven't had a Monday since you started where one of the patients haven't contacted us to say how pleased they were with the way it was rolling out how efficiently it is at uh, CIT and complimenting everybody involved and it sounds like the atmosphere there every weekend is incredible yeah, the main side effect is euphoria. <laughs> um, it's it's good. We, we had a monster clinic now on Saturday and the weather wasn't great and the car park caught us a little bit. So the next clinic we're going to split into two days. Um, just, we're just learning from it, I suppose, a little bit too. 
So, you know, people, they were queuing up for up to half an hour at a time in the outside. So we'll avoid that for the next clinics now. Hopefully the weather will get a little bit better. And to be honest, the patients are getting that little bit more ambulant as we go down the list as well. Yeah, because they're, um, they're, they're the younger uh, cohort. Yeah, the, the kids of the cohort, <laughs> as they delight in calling themselves. But really, it is infectious. And it, all of us said it is an honour and a privilege. It is definitely the best thing I've done as a GP. And you can see, you know, in your 85% category, the mortality rate from COVID was spectacularly high. So you know that by giving these people these vaccinations, you are you are definitively adding, you know, years to their life. It's a great feeling. All our colleagues, mm-hmm. similar in general practice as well. Um, you know, there were, you know, we we're all frustrated. Everyone wants to give it. Everyone wants to get it. We vaccinate morning, noon, and night. There is a limited supply at the moment. That's why we are working down. According to the COVID risk factors, age being the biggest one, and the next one that will be happening will be, I suppose, under 70 will be uh, those at very high risk. Um, And some of the hospitals will be leading that, and I think general practice will be playing a supporting role in it as well. Okay, the big question that everybody's asking, do do you end up with leftover vaccines on on a Saturday? And if so, what do you do with them? Yeah, so very important. Uh, A few publicised cases there recently. Yeah. So as I was saying, we, we don't. We have, there's no leftover vaccine. Essentially, we have a list that of pre-booked people. We had 1,382 doses given at the weekend. Now, we had less than that obviously booked in. So there were about 27 patients couldn't make it. Uh, people will be hospitalised, etc. like that. The biggest thing that will increase your contingency limit, Patricia, is the extra dose in the Pfizer vaccine. All gives, well, almost all give six quite a few give seven and depending on the type of needles it's called a low dead space needle and syringe so we had 70 percent of our vials 206 giving seven doses so that's about 144 patients who we had to call off our contingency list so those are extra doses so we go in with a prepared contingency list each practice attending gives us a list of 10 to 15 patients from their next age cohort down so that we were able to call them. Now, to be honest, it's always a bit of a scramble. We, you know, clinic finished at 20 past six. We gave our last contingency vaccine at 20 past eight. You see, I was impressed with that. I was, there was nothing, there was, you know, you weren't saying, you guys weren't saying, we're closed at six, lads, that's it, we're gone. You stayed on to make sure that every last... You have to, Patricia, because with the Pfizer vaccine, now we could keep it overnight. But once it's drawn up, you have six hours once, and you've 120 hours once it reaches the centre. So if we're only giving them one day, you know, every vial that has to be done has to be used. And so we we moved. That's where some of the over 70s, I suppose, were lucky enough to be called. It's a contingency list. And it was most practices, people between the age of 70, 74, who had an underlying illness. And are they on standby? Or do they yeah, literally just, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're on standby. They're on standby. Okay. And... You know, when you get to the very end, you're making a call and then you're cancelling it. And it, that's an awful call because, yeah. you know, um, but people were delighted and people would, you know, they said that there's no problem with how far they'd come for it. I mean, it's great. Yeah. So yeah. the there is an issue to be finished out, I suppose, when we reach the second last and last clinic, what we will do with leftovers then. So if we have as it, exhausted all our over 70s and we are getting extra doses or people don't turn up, we will need guidance from the HSC as to what we will do. And I suspect they may say we can breach the under 70s. Um, but that there is already a separate plan in place for that as of now. So um, we'll just need guidance on that because there will be pe- we will have extra doses from our next clinics as well. Mm. So know. Easter, are you taking Easter off? 
we are it's yeah. because we're every second weekend okay. fortuitously but many of my GP colleagues will be vaccinating the four days over Easter week okay. um, yeah but we you know we, we're society we're, we're parents we're kids we're, we're, you know, we're families we want to get back to some semblance of normality as well I think most GPs would vaccinate morning, noon and night um, it, it's trickier um, the non-COVID stuff is, is mounting up um, so we've got one arm trying to deal with that I think there are certainly for the GP practices not in the hub there were supply issues and communication with the HSC at the start um, could have been better. I think most of those have been ironed out now, and most practices are up and running. Um, and I think, you know, what GPs, such a big part of our job is health prevention. Such a part of it is giving vaccinations. This is part of our core skill set, you know, and we're part of the community as well. And it really is such an honour and a privilege to be able to give people a vaccine that really will make such a big difference quickly. But I think this hub system, Mike, you're clearly showing that that has been a real success. The, yeah, the mass vaccine, I suppose the next iteration of our hub in CIT will be an even bigger um, mass vaccination centre. And that will be the 65 to 69 year olds. As, and, and as you know, there's one in CIT or MTU, I should call it correctly now, yeah. Parky Cueve and City Hall. I also believe I think there's one in Mallow and there's an alternating one in West Cork and Clan, Clan, yeah. 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 And again, it's vaccine supply. I mean, the setup that the HSC have put into these is amazing. They do have vaccinators. They do have the space. What we're all limited by is the number of vaccines. And that is, you know, and, and I know as soon as I mentioned you were coming on, you know, the amount of over 70s contacting us and I still haven't got a time yet. I still haven't got a date yet for, for my GP. But I was reading only this morning before I came on air that uh, based on supply forecasts, the HSC is expecting to increase the first dose allocation to GPs from the week beginning April 12th. Yeah. So it okay. looks like there's more. There, yeah, we oh. now have, each GP who's who's giving the vaccines in their own premises or budding up with someone, they now have a relationship manager with the HSC cold chain vaccination service. Communication did suffer a little bit at the start. Um, a new service, I think, you know, it caught a little bit of people on the hop. It's up and running now. I do think people will be contacted very shortly. Um, we're we're doing the vaccines. We're inputting the vaccines. We're doing the non-COVID stuff, and people. It may be a short. Um, short notice that you'll get but I certainly would think in the next week or two the vast majority of over 70s will be getting an appointment um, so I, I think you know just a whole toss yeah. maybe not to be ringing the GP you know we're we're trying to keep the lines open for the non-COVID stuff as well too, Patricia. And listen, uh, people I think will climb over glass <laughs> to get to a GP surgery if there's a vaccine available. Listen, uh, Mike, you're doing fantastic work uh, in MTU. Well done to everybody yes. involved, as they say. We've, I think we've mentioned you every single weekend that you've been up and running. It's, a, it's such a team effort. You know, the it's HSC great. have been fantastic. We have our practice nurses who are the unsung heroes. I think everyone recognised that. But the cleaners, the, the security, the car park attendance, it really, we couldn't do it without everyone. Well done. So it's great to be part of it. Well done. Listen, thanks Thank a million for taking time out to talk to us. Good morning bye bye. to you. Bye bye. That is Dr. Mike Thompson of the Immokilly Medical Centre, but he is the GP lead for the vaccination centre at the former CIT. 1850 333103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.com. 
Calden family from Castletown Roach are putting down roots with a project to plant trees for the Children's Leukaemia Association. It's a charity very close to the hearts of the Callanan family as the project will raise funds to remember Cleena, who passed away in 2005 and this year would have celebrated her 30th birthday. Her dad, Jim, uh, joins me with more details. Good morning to you, Jim. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, you normally have an orienteering event to remember Cleena, but I take it because of COVID, not possible this year. I'm, I'm, I'm poss- it wasn't possible last year either, was it? Yeah, it wasn't possible last year, Patricia. We usually hold it in September, um, so obviously we couldn't. And we've been holding it for the last, oh, since 2006, and it's been great. And, you know, obviously... Um, raised lots of uh, funds over that time. So we couldn't do it in, in September and we had to uh, think of uh, something maybe a little bit different. Think outside the box and you came yeah. up with <laughs> a fantastic idea around trees. Tell yeah. us what you've been doing. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. We were just talk, thinking about it over the, over the winter and uh, our son Daniel um, came up with the idea of planting a woodland in our memory and also marking her, her birthday as you, as you mentioned there. Um and we kind of took it from there. Um, because she was 30 in, in January, we kind of said, OK, let's, let's plant uh, 300 uh, trees and maybe raise 3,000 uh, euros. That was kind of, you know... The goal. The general goal, yeah. Um, but um, it's kind of... <laughs> it's kind of moved on a stage from that since, as you... OK, talk to me first about the trees. Where did you plant them and what did you plant? Yeah, so we have a... Uh, a field beside our house here in Castledown and um, we already had a little woodland at the top and and we had actually every year for her birthday we planted birth, uh, silver birch so we had 16 trees planted together anyway so it was like the beginnings of it and uh, so since then or all last week last week was National Tree Week and so it was a nice time to do it and uh, we planted I think in total 303 <laughs> Uh, native Irish trees uh, from kind of alder to oak to uh, willow you name it you know all the usual native trees uh, around the field so it's going to be it's going to be great in time to come and it'll be a woodland that'll be there forevermore yeah, 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 I love, great, I love yeah. the idea. So you then set up the GoFundMe page, and I, I mean, I checked it yesterday. You initially yeah. then went to ten thousand because you could see it was exploding. Yeah, exploding what, is the word. Yeah. What, 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 what is it at this morning? It's uh, just over fifteen this morning. That's incredible. Uh, it's extraordinary. I mean, oh, it's incredible. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, what we put it down to, but uh, like I suppose the the, uh, the simplicity of the uh, of the idea seems to have kind of struck a chord with people. You know, especially with the year that, that everybody has had and uh, if I could kind of compare it to the trees kind of bursting into leaf people kind of wanted to respond by, by getting involved in the project you know being part of it and that's what they've done in, like in their huge numbers and really it's, it's been remarkable yeah, and I was reading, I went on to the page yesterday and I was reading down through some of the messages and it was lovely, you know, people who remembered Cleana and people yeah. thinking of you as a family and obviously people can't reach out and be with you. No, and So it's yeah. it's just that there was something really very poignant and very sweet about the whole thing. It, it really is lovely. Yeah. And the, the Children's Leukaemia Association, what, what services do they provide, Jim? Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're fantastic, um, Patricia. Uh, I was only talking to Fiona yesterday, their administrator, and um, you know, like it's, it's obviously vital. Obviously, you can imagine when a child uh, is struck down with, with leukemia or any other cancer, for that matter, um, it, it's devastating for for the person and for their families. 
at that time. Um, so to have an association like the Leukemia Association to be there, you know, to offer not just moral support, but financial support, uh, counselling, therapies, educational support, so much they do. I have been doing it for a long time, I think back since 1981, as far as I remember. But, um, no, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, based in the Mercy Hospital, uh, but they've been doing really great work over the years, and recently they purchased a house in Glasheen uh, as a sort of a home, uh, home from home for people who families who need to, you know, be near their their child in hospital, yeah. and they can stay there. Like that, that's crucial because, you know, it's just a kind of a very kind of a difficult time for a family to. It's hard enough coping with, uh, you know, the, <laughs> what's happening, but to be able to. You know, be close to their child is very important. So having that was great too. And they've also, in, in the last year, they just purchased four heart monitors for the what's known as the Safari unit in the in the in the Mercy University Hospital. So like they really do great work all around, and that's why we're kind of uh, long term supporters of the. Uh, of yeah, the and of course you've you've been there. You you, you we've knew been, you yeah, knew we've been there. And look, uh, yeah, I mean, but I, I suppose out of that sadness you know, so much positivity has, has grown. And that's what's brilliant about this project because it's a very positive, um, just a very positive thing. And people people feel for that themselves. And I, you know, it's, I think it's been good just for, you mentioned about the lovely comments from people there on the um, on the website. I think for people themselves, you know, they feel positive as well about what's going on. And even though they can't be with us um, to help, you know, they know that, you know, my daughter Alva's, updates every night with regard to what we've planted and, and people like to see photographs and that's all good. That's great. So that's really, great. It's, know, something, it's something really positive because you can just imagine, Jim, what families are going through. There's so much focus on COVID because, but let's not yeah. forget, children are still being diagnosed with yeah. leukaemia and you can imagine what those families are going through. So, you know, a charity like the Children's Leukaemia Association is probably more important and has been more important in the last year than it's ever been before. There's no doubt, no doubt about that, Patricia. Um, given that, uh, yeah, you, it's not that we, not that people forget that, but there's a lot going on besides COVID, obviously, and 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 uh, yeah, for so families like unfortunately may find themselves in the position we were in like 15 or 16 years ago, and and uh, to have uh, to have the association there to to be by their side is, is crucial. Yeah. And that was, that's what makes it really special. And that's what this fundraising is, yeah. is all about. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Cleana was a very athletic girl. That's why the orienteering was, event was yeah. so important, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of big into, uh, into that sport. Uh, we have been, you know, with the, the Lucy family and, uh, and, and from a hand and the sleeping powers and that um, in, in Chamblamore. But uh, yeah, we've been doing it for a long time and uh, it's been a uh, part of her, you know. She was, she was, she was, she was quite a good orienteer in her day, and and the fact that she loves, you know, orienteering takes place a lot of time in woods. So this is kind That's of right, done yeah. with obviously. So even having, even having our own little wood here, now we, <laughs> who knows, we might be able to set up our own. Why not? <laughs> our own course. Why not? On site, on site, you know, yeah. She's, and, uh, she's suppose, smiling but, down, and I would say is extremely proud of each and every one of you, Jim, for what you're doing. I, I think so, Patricia, and it's kind of poignant in one sense because. Um, She's actually buried right beside the woodland that we've just planted because the graveyard is right beside us. So, like, that is it's so important for us. And, like, we kind of almost can feel her spirit with us as 
just watching as we watch the trees grow in time and that's that's just lovely. Gorgeous time, gorgeous time. Yeah. So the orienteering, please God, will be back next yeah, September 12 months. September. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe September if we're lucky. Who knows? If we're lucky, fingers crossed. Who knows? But, and um, the GoFundMe page, how can people access it, Jim? Yeah, they can access it, yeah. Trees for Cleaner, GoFundMe page.com. It's, we're still open. We're going to stay open until, we're going to stay open until the weekend. Okay. Uh, and uh, just give people a chance who mightn't, who mightn't uh, know about it. Um, and on that note, like we just have to thank everybody who has been so generous so far. We really are appreciative of what they've done for us and for the association. So thank you, everybody, for that. And with all of those donations, it can be from the very, you know, some people say, oh, my, I've only got a five or a ten. No, but they're the ones that all yeah, mount up, isn't of it? Course. Absolutely. Every single euro is, is important, you know, and uh, no, that, that that's what... That's what's great about it, you know. People just can afford what they can afford, and that's fine. Okay, listen, you're 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 a mighty family. Well done uh, to each and every one of you, uh, Jim. And uh, good luck with that woodland. It sounds amazing when it's up and running. It'll be just when it's fully grown, it'll be gorgeous. But thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. No problem, Patricia. Good morning bye. to you. Bye bye, bye bye, uh, Jim Callan there, uh, dad of Cleana, uh, uh, remembering Cleana. She and what would have been her thirtieth birthday actually earlier on uh, this year. But it's just if you go onto the GoFundMe page, it's just it's amazing. Uh, see what they've done and see all the gorgeous comments that have come in from people who knew Cleana and who know the uh, family. We wish them luck. Now the this Saturday you can join Trevor Welch on C103.ie for the excitement of the Premier League powered by Talk Sport. We're bringing you exclusive live coverage of Chelsea versus West Brom. That's at 12.30. Leeds versus Sheffield at 3. Leicester City taking on Man City. That's at 5.30. And then the final match will be Arsenal versus Liverpool at 8pm. That's the Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with the Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Court today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is just a breaking news story from Tracy McGee, uh, UTV reporter. This is just breaking on Twitter. Uh, according to Tracy, a reliable storm and source says that the Public Prosecution Service, service, the PPS in the North, has not recommended prosecution for anybody concerned in relation to the Bobby Story uh, funeral because we are expecting that announcement around lunchtime today. The PPS in the North, they have three options. The first would be to prosecute um, second is not to prosecute and if they've gone with that that legally brings an end to the matter and then the third option was something called or is something called um, a divisory disposal it's an informed warning but it's only possible if the individual accepts that they broke the law so it is looking like the according to that coming out from Storm and from sources that the the public prosecution service in the north has recommended not to prosecute in the case of the Bobby Story funeral no doubt we'll have more on that story in our one o'clock news bulletin 1850 103 okay a lot of calls and comments coming in. Let me get to some of them. We were talking about pseudocreme earlier on. Mary and Kanturk was on when I was when I was talking about the pseudocreme, this is because Madonna 
put up on social media a photograph of her in her bathroom and people zoomed into the photograph and saw there was a jar of pseudocream on the shelf in Madonna's bathroom and everybody's speculating what's Madonna using pseudocream for but that then led to the whole discussion about pseudocream being one hailed as one of the great Irish products of modern times and it was all thanks to a pharmacist by the name of Professor James Professor Thomas Smith and it was back in 1931 he got to work in his the small back room of his Dublin shop and he came up with this cream a zinc based cream to help customers with skin ailments common at the time and and he started to sell it and then little did he know that it would go on to be such a a world leader in skin disorders. Uh, But I was making the point that there was a time where that's what chemists, pharmacists did. They worked away quietly in a little back room onto their shop and they came up with lotions and potions and things that they sold locally and they put it into jars and bottles and put a, they would have handwritten a label across the front of it and off you went and I'm just saying, I'm assuming that no pharmacist is allowed to do that uh, today uh, because of all of the rules and regulations. Mary in Canturk says that Barty O'Sullivan chemist shop in Canturk was brilliant. He used to make up loads of his own different potions and lo- lotions. Then even if you had a sick animal he would have remedies to cure uh, an, an animal. I have recovered from cancer and while recovering I had sores on my body and I used pseudocream. I found it a, a great relief when I used it says Mary in Canturk. Well good health to you uh, Mary but she remembers growing up in Barty Sullivan's chemist in Cantork with their homemade brew of different potions. That ties in with the story I was saying. I remember growing up and it was a cough bottle our local chemist used to make. And I'm assuming you can't get your hands on that cough bottle uh, now at all. On COVID, John and Mallow. Alfred enters my head. Who is running the country? Is it Neffet or is it the government? Neffet at the end of the day are scientists so they'll go on graphs and on medical advice. But we're now three months into this lockdown and people are finding it very tough. I'm hearing different stats from people who say between 20 and 30% of people are sick of the lockdown. But John and Mallow says I can guarantee you where I live and everyone I've been talking to, it's 99% of people are sick of the lockdown. I'm feeling very sorry for people I know who are struggling to pay a mortgage and to pay the other bills that are coming into the household and these are people who are on the pandemic payment, the €350 a a week and they really are struggling financially on top of all the other emotional issues that are going on. People really are uh, struggling and Kira in Mallow on this whole issue of when we're expecting the announcements later on as to easing of some of the restrictions but they're going to be very cautious for sure and a number of people including Sean Kelly the MEP from the South was saying it's all because of Dublin the decisions seem to be made because there are rising Covid cases in Dublin more so than in other parts of the country Kira says Dublin is our main problem when it comes to coronavirus they don't seem to want to do anything about Dublin and the, and the numbers rising there. While we here in Cork and across the border in Kerry, our numbers are very low and we're all suffering because of cases rising in Dublin. Could it be, says our Kira in Mallow, that a lot of the high ministers in the government, the ones making the decision, are all from Dublin? Is that what it is all about? And then Ashley McCroom was on, wondering what are people's views of the canopies that have been put up by the council across towns in Cork. She said in the last number of weeks, rubbish has been blown around the canopies and she said it looks very bad for the town. But she said they also, what she feels is a problem, people are gathering under the canopies and she's noticed no social distancing going on and she'd love to hear other people's views on it. Have others noticed that as well? that the canopies are actually encouraging people to gather when we shouldn't be gathering because of uh, restrictions. 1850 We had a text in earlier 
from somebody saying, Patricia, could you find out when does the fuel allowance end? This year's fuel allowance ends on Friday, the 9th of April. So you'll have a fuel allowance payment this week and you'll have your final fuel allowance payment next week. And no, there is no talk of any extension of the fuel allowance. And then a number of people offering their thoughts and comments on Paula not her name, the lady who emailed about the marriage difficulties that she's having and finding her husband, she suddenly is noticing all of his faults and she never did that before and obviously those faults were always there but suddenly they're being manifested at the moment and it's causing all kinds of problems and she just feels the closeness is gone, completely gone in the relationship and what she really desperately wants is to have her good marriage back. They had a great marriage, they're married over 40 years and she wants that back and uh, it comes as great sadness to her at the moment the way their relationship has gone and Marion said I'm so sad to hear Paula talk about her husband it is very very hard at the moment for so many people both me and my husband are working from home and I feel we take the pressures of work out on each other only because it's just the two of us working from home every day in the house that we share so we've got our home life our personal life and now our work life all happening under the one uh, roof it's just not normal I find I'm under pressure in my relationship and it's because of this it's because of the situation we have found ourselves in and could that be the issue for uh, Paula David said myself and my partner actually broke up oh sorry to hear that Dave at the start of the year and I would 100% say it was all down to lockdown working sharing a small house all day with the stresses of work and lockdown it led to stupid fights over absolutely nothing it ended up in both of us just simply being stubborn too stubborn to move on from those silly arguments and we ended everything Maybe it's a good thing, as if it was not meant to be. But I know from my own circle of friends that we're not alone. Other people are, are having have seen relationships end during this pandemic. Kitty in the city says, I live in what I would describe as a young family estate in the city. I downsized from the outskirts and moved into this housing estate. I've got to know many of my lovely neighbours. Many of them are young and just renting nearby houses. But sad to report, many of them have broken up and left. And I know from speaking to some who then tell me our oh, partner is, is gone no longer with us just didn't work out and so many of them are citing lockdown and the pressures of locked down that's all I keep hearing I feel so sorry for these young couples in that situation and Tom says there's now a massive problem in Ireland both rural and urban for young males and teens how they're they're simply not coping not being able to get out and about and meet their friends they're not able to play sports and they're not going anywhere it's a huge problem and it's now only getting raised and it'll continue long after this pandemic I think a lot of people are pointing to the example of mental health issues uh, for sure I think it is getting raised I think they are seeing it and it's possibly one of the reasons why when we hear the lifting of restrictions they're going to suggest that young people in pods of 15 can get out and train together I think they're recognising young people uh, need that bit of help and says Patricia feels so sorry for Paula who emailed you but maybe her husband has mental health issues he's dealing with on his own and if Paula could suggest that maybe he goes to the GP maybe he gets a checkup, get his bloods done maybe he might open up to his uh, doctor if there's something on his uh, mind and that's from Anne thank you for that um, Anne Hi Patricia on the marriage problem 
when they when she started using a different bedroom because of the snoring for me the marriage ended they grew apart like the saying goes till death do us part you're only hearing a one-sided story you must take your partner warts and all but I think in fairness to Paul I think that's what she's trying to do she's accepting that he has diff- he has problems and faults but she says what's wrong at the moment is all she can see is all of the faults and the failings and that's why she's wondering is there something wrong with her why and I'm wondering listening to some of the people contacting us this morning has it anything to do with the lockdown and just being in each other's company too much could that be where the problem is stemming from and someone else says Patricia tell her get a divorce and get out of the marriage clearly they're going through the motions this sister feels they're only stuck in the marriage because they lost a child and that while in some cases it can cause a couple to split up in other cases it causes a family to stay together just because of the uh, child and Lister reckons their advice would be move on so uh, certainly a lot of different uh, advice but I think the one thing is communication I think Paula just needs to communicate and get talking to her husband and see if they somehow can get to the bottom of it 1850 just listening to your programme on the HSC on the vaccine. Oh, here's a good one. This is a suggestion for the housebound and the vaccines. Well, I give the vaccines to Jason and his Jeep for Jason in West Cork. A rapid response uh, unit. They'd get out all of the housebound uh, for sure. Rapid response units. Yeah, it kind of ties in with what I was saying with using the Red Cross. I think if the ambulance service is under too much pressure and they're not able to vax vaccinate all the housebound they've got to look at something else come up with some other way of doing it and you know there was a listener who was talking about how great everything is in England and how they are doing so well with the vaccination and somebody ended their comment was saying bring Boris over here and let Boris rule Ireland well that's caused one listener to say I actually think let's let's get Boris over here to run this country I actually find that statement very offensive says this texter particularly to the people who have died in the UK. The herd immunity that they initially went for under Boris's watch didn't work except to increase the infection rates and it created a new strain that is now hammering the world. There are a number of serious questions about how the vaccines have been procured in the UK. The UK, for example, have not released an unredacted contract with AstraZeneca, which was signed, bear in mind, the day after the EU. Why was the Dutch vaccine facility not included for the EMA approval? The EU has not done well compared to the UK and the US, but it is also the responsibility of government so the UK made and have made mistakes in the past so it isn't all rosy in the garden. I just think there's going to be a lot of annoyance even watching happen to flick uh, onto the BBC News at 10 o'clock last night and watching people out in an outdoor swimming pool and people out sitting in the sunshine and I switched over because I was just getting annoyed and I think the more we're going to be watching that and because we have such access to English TV and English news channels and services we're going to be seeing a lot more of that why, why we still here in this country are very much in lockdown mode I think it's going to get very annoying on all of us to watch what's unfolding in England while we know we're many months away from that because we're many months away from having that number of people vaccinated here and we all have family members living in the UK and we're going to be hearing about them getting up to all kinds of things and it's going to cause a lot of stress and annoyance I think on behalf of us the Irish people for sure 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. And for those of you missing bingo, Kildallery Home Bingo continues this week with the snowball prize increased to €150. Books cost €5 and they're on sale locally. Um, They're also in Thornhill's Opticians and Myers Maxall in Mitchellstown. Proceeds are in aid of the Kildallery Community Development and Kildallery GAA. Castle Magna Community Development Association and the Tidy Towns, they're holding their AGM. Now they're doing it by Zoom and it's on this night week, Tuesday the 6th of April with an 8 o'clock start. The link for the Zoom meeting is available by emailing castlemagnercommunity at gmail.com or you can contact any of the committee members. Ambera West Family Resource Centre, they're continuing to run online courses through Zoom on Wellbeing on Tuesday mornings at 11, all free and facilitated by experienced support workers. They also have online sessions in mindfulness and self-care tips for mums, that's on Wednesday mornings, and an evening session on listening skills for parents and carers on a Wednesday. To register for any of the free courses, you need to contact Natalie on 086 7806093. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy. McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. I just on the calls that we did earlier, a couple of people went to their post office to get a disability allowance to say that their money wasn't available. We got onto on, on post and the Department of Social Protection and they say disability allowance is paid on a Wednesday, not on a Tuesday. The people that turned up turned up a day uh, early. And I think the confusion has reigned because it's Easter and people think that they, all of the payments are paid out a day early. They're not. There is a slight change to the opening hours for the post office for this week but your payment is getting paid on the normal days they're not getting paid a a day uh, earlier but this Thursday the 1st of April payments due for collection on Friday April 2nd and Monday April 5th they can be collected this Thursday because on Good Friday the post office is open just in the morning until 1pm and the post offices are not open on Easter Saturday or Easter Monday for payments due for collection on April the 5th next Monday can be collected from Thursday of this week. But for everybody else, your payment arrives on the normal day. Hi Patricia, when somebody is asking about the who is running the country, um, they, can I tell you, it's the virus that's running the country at the moment and the foolish people who won't do what they are told. That is coming in from uh, Khan. And when I spoke about growing up and remembering pharmacists making up lotions and potions themselves, Yvonne says, I remember Mars chemist in O'Connor Street in Clamel. He made up a wind bottle for babies with colic. And that's the chemist shop, Yvonne that I was talking about Seamus Mark I'll be good to him was the pharmacist's name he had a great cough bottle as well and I'd forgotten about that there was also one for babies with uh, colic and if he was going today he'd probably still be there'd still be people queuing up because unfortunately children still uh, suffer from uh, colic now a letter into the uh, programme from I'm assuming I'm not reading out a name on this please don't call out my name no it's just from a listener in the Douglas area of the city says hi Patricia I know 
you have rightly highlighted the appalling and indiscriminate illegal dumping throughout the countryside and the responsibility of all of us to report it to the relevant councils. My reason for writing to you and hoping that you may read out this letter on air is the disgusting condition of some of our roadsides by what I describe as ignorant and uncaring individuals. This is demonstrated by walkers, cyclists and car occupants throwing coffee cups, plastic bottles, mineral bottles and other alcoholic beverage tins as well as throwing away masks. Because I'm eligible to travel for business purposes, I would like to highlight areas where local communities might like to take notice and try and form a local group to clean up their area. This would be similar to what I've observed with the great community in Ballygarvan in Sandy Cove near Kinsale and other individuals and caring groups throughout the county. We now know that we cannot depend, unfortunately, on the city and county councils who seem to have totally shelved their environmental clean-up responsibility. Some black spots that I have noticed, says our listener. The road parallel to the airport from behind Bull McCabe's pub. The road from the airport business park to Ballygarvan. The main Kinsale Road from the airport to Kinsale is an absolute disgrace, particularly as you approach Riverstick and onwards. In fact, Patricia, we need to recruit Cork communities all over the county. Have some kind of a clean-up day. Perhaps you could get some of the councillors or the TDs would take on the responsibility of the task. Finally, I'm forwarding you some fam- sample photocopies of photos taken as we are taking our Get to Know Cork Walk last Saturday up Strawberry Hill in Sundays. Well, this is an area that's directly beside a local primary school. Many thanks to you and your team for highlighting dumping. Yeah, and you sent on pictures of shocking. Yeah, the dumping is just and like something we have and this Listener is right. We have discussed it many times on the programme and I don't know if it's me, but is the situation, has the lockdown made it even worse? And sometimes I wonder, is it because people are out walking more that they're spotting the rubbish? Maybe it was always there. I don't know whether there's more or not, but it's interesting that this listener mentions masks because yesterday we had a busy programme yesterday and we didn't get to all of the texts and calls uh, came in. There was at least two people yesterday contacted us about disposable masks and as any anybody noticing again there seems to be a lot of disposable masks around the place and I remember at the start the very first when we went into the first lockdown and people were just getting used to masks and I think people were using a lot more disposable masks and then when they realised God we're into this for the long haul people started investing in the reusable ones and you go nowhere now you go nowhere without a reusable mask in your bag or in your pocket or somewhere in the car because if you need to go anywhere you need to pop on your mask so I think because of that I certainly can't remember the last time I I used uh, a throwaway disposable mask. It's all the reusable ones that I'm using. But certainly back in the early days of lockdown, there was a lot of people who hadn't invested in the reusable ones and were using the disposable. And because of that, we were seeing a lot of masks thrown around on the roadside, on footpaths. But I, but yesterday, as I say, I got a couple of texts in from people and it got me thinking that I've started to notice in the last week or two I don't think if I'm the odd, and I'm not out that very often, I can tell you that. But if I'm going shopping, for example, you go near the trolley. The other the other weekend now I was doing my shopping and when I went to get the trolley out, somebody had obviously used the trolley before me and taken off the mask and the mask was just dumped on the ground. Even though there was bins outside the supermarket that I was going into, I just can't understand. And the other really dangerous thing about the mask from a wildlife point of view 
people that are just taking off the masks and dumping them, you need to break, you know, the bit, the loop that goes over your ear that's causing huge problems to wildlife. Even if you're my young niece who lives with me is very environmentally conscious was coming home the other day and she as she came in she had one of the disposable masks and she normally has reusable ones on her but uh, she got cut out and had to use a disposable one but when she came in and was disposing of it in the bin the first thing she did was she snapped the bands on the side so that when it went in it was obviously was going for landfill but to make sure that it wouldn't if it, if it did end up somehow being blown away on landfill that it wouldn't end up damaging wildlife so you do have to be very careful with them as well but but I've as I say I don't know why but is it just me are you noticing are people noticing more of the disposable masks they seem to have been gone but they seem to be back again with the vengeance and I don't know maybe they've always maybe there's always been a problem uh, there with them since we went into lockdown but there just seems to be more out and about 1850-333-103 John Paul continues to take your calls if you want to text our WhatsApp you can on 0862-103-103 and just a final one a text that came into us yesterday evening and we had to do some investigative work into this one to say Patricia I'm wondering why there was what looked like a vintage black and tan truck from the War of Independence Day driving around Dunmanway yesterday. Is there a movie being made in West Cork at the moment, says Fiona, and could you find out for us? So John Paul got on to the Defence Department this morning and they say last week a number of training exercises were being carried out across the county and a number of recruits were carrying out tests when it came to driving military vehicles. And that is why people saw the military trucks on the road last week. It was mainly training exercises because we did get some calls in from people saying that they noticed uh, trucks. Um, But does that explain a vintage black and tan truck? They'd hardly be using a vintage black and tan truck from the days of the War of Independence, would they, to train recruits? Anyway, according to the, the... Department of Defence, that's what they told us this morning. So no, Fiona, there isn't a movie being done. They are training recruits. Maybe it just looked like it was a vintage black and tan truck and it was in fact just an older truck that they were using because they're using it for, for training purposes rather than using the swank new ones. I don't know. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today on C103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan joining us on this Tuesday afternoon just as the sun is coming out where I'm sitting at the moment and we are expecting sunny spells for the afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And sunny here too. Oh, Good that's to great. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And if you can get any bit of sunshine at all, we oh, will we'll take, take it. it. Now, today we want to talk about addictions and addictive behaviour because unfortunately, Joe, addictions are on the increase during COVID-19, but especially when it comes to gambling. Some of the newspaper headings there that I read recently were we're on the cusp of a problem gambling tsunami. Another one was gambling addiction on the rise during pandemic lockdowns. And last, uh, was it last Sunday or the Sunday before in the Sunday Independent, uh, Declan Lynch? Uh, You'd be familiar with Declan since the book Tony 10 about gambling. Mm. And uh, you interviewed, I think, both Declan and Tony. Yep. Yep. Uh, He wrote, perhaps the most intractable of all addictions. The average teenager is bombarded with gambling ads, and if they are vulnerable, there is no chance of escape. So there's been a move. You see, um, we all know that the the bookie shops are are closed, and... And so there is um, a sort of move towards the online version of gambling. And the problem there is that there are more versions than wherever available, uh, usually in the booking office. Well, I only recently we did an interview with uh, Senator uh, Mark Wall of the the Labour Party and he was highlighting the fact that we need to get some control over our gambling yeah. ads uh, because and previous to him coming on we had started getting calls in from people saying that they've noticed when they're sitting down to watch TV or if they're on social media every second ad seems to be uh, how easy it is to gamble and they make it look so easy and sure it's only a bit of fun and sign yep. up here and the first £50 bet is free etc. Absolutely. Just to, and you can so easily get sucked into it. Yeah and as you say it's all a bit of fun and God knows we all need a bit of fun during the pandemic but unfortunately this bit of fun can turn very sinister. Now um, Minister James Brown alright hopes to bring proposals to the government this year about um, um, re- regulatory provisions for the gambling industry. So that's um, that's a good note on the horizon. But um, uh, yeah, uh, there was a guy uh, I was reading about there, uh, Owen. Um, he said placing his, uh, he has um, addressed his gambling addiction seven years ago. Placing bets consumed his thoughts and actions from the moment he woke in the morning until the last thing at night. In the shower, I was thinking about what I was going to bet on. Going to bed at night, I'd be thinking about the next day, thinking about the day that had just been, how much I'd won, how much I'd lost. Um, Owen mainly placed his bets in shops, I'm reading there, but online betting was beginning to take off on smartphones and he was moving in that direction. So, um, yeah, 
uh, in the old days, um, uh, if the bookie shop was closed, that was the end of that. Um, at least there was that bit of respite um, from uh, for a person who was hooked on gambling. But now, if you wake at 4 a.m., you can have a flutter, as they say, um, on the online stuff. Um, and even though there is, many would say during the pandemic, there has been a lack of sporting fixtures. And I know more of them are coming back now, but there was a time where there wasn't many sporting fixtures. Everything was cancelled because of the, the pandemic. But if you go online, there's always something you can bet on. Oh, yeah, the casino games, the slot machines. And um, and they are very attractive looking in the ads. Um you know, um, any time that we watch, uh, say, a soccer match there, not alone is the team um, uh, sponsored by um, a gambling organisation, but at halftime, at, at any opportunity at all, in comes uh, a gambling ad, and they are extremely attractive. And, um, you know, you can get the £10 no-risk introductory bet, Um yeah, it's, because that uh, just that just sucks you in, yeah. and 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 it's something we've touched on already this morning. We have more time on our hands. There's a bit of boredom setting there in is. with people. Do you, do you think that's all adding to it? Oh, big time! Yeah. I mean, we all we we'll kind of take any break we can get at the moment. Now, most of us are into a couple of good TV programs, the radio, um, books, crosswords, um, jigsaws. Uh, having walks um, and we really do need distractions because I think we'd go crazy to just be focused all the time on the numbers yesterday and the numbers today. I don't mean betting numbers, I mean COVID. It is a wonder there isn't someone putting out a bet on that. But um, uh, uh, younger people then are, are off. So we, we need distractions but unfortunately, this is one that can go wrong. Now, there are people who can have a bet. Let's be very upfront about that. Um, uh, you had a guy on there um, a bit back, um, a gentleman, fine, fine speaker about this subject, Barry Grant of um, Problem Gambling Oh, yeah, Island. yeah, yeah, good, good guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, as he said, um, some people uh, get hooked. Uh, a quote from him, nobody wakes up and starts out day one with a flutter and ends up a gambling addict. That doesn't happen. Um, uh, no more than someone becoming addicted to alcohol with their very first drink. So it builds up over time. Exactly, exactly. And um, uh, the fact that um, uh, young people especially um, are, you know, they're glued to their screens um, um, an awful lot of the time and um, they really can't escape the ads for um, uh, for gambling um, so uh, it becomes uh, a little bit of fun it becomes a bit of a distraction but for some it becomes a huge problem Um like uh, um, a European school survey conducted in 2019, now that was before all the lockdown, found that 10% of the Irish population were excessive gamblers 
and just over 5% were problem gamblers. That's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And it found that the problem gambling among Irish boys were 7.6% and 2.8% for girls. Yeah. Um, And the one thing about gambling, particularly for people that they get addicted, of all of the addictions, it really is the one that's most hidden. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Person is drinking too much, there's a smell of alcohol from their breath. Or they'll fall down They'll drunk. fall down, they'll, they'll, they'll stagger, their speech will be a bit slurred. Um, you know, uh, you, you can, uh, if a person is uh, m- m- missing or, 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 or addicted um, to, uh, uh, to drugs, um, yeah, it becomes obvious. Uh, obvious. The signs. Yeah. But somebody yeah. gambling... And sometimes when it is discovered, it can in some cases be too late. I mean, you know, somebody's home could be gone. Every bit of life saving is gone. The Tony 10 book that we often reference and that we spoke about a couple of minutes ago. You know, that ended up with a man going to jail because he had stolen so much money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, it can get utterly and totally crazy. It can get to the point where it's making no sense at all, either to any of us on a, on a looking in or um, to the person, him or herself. It just goes um, crazy. Have you an understanding of how it gets to that stage? Well, you see, um, if a person has, um, gets a buzz from it, and if there's a bit of winning, now, another book that uh, Declan wrote was called Easy Money, and it was about gambling as well. And it's a good name for anything to do with gambling because it looks like easy money. Um, you know, you, you place your bet, you win, um, you collect your money. Wow, this is the way to go. Now, the problem is that the winning phase doesn't last. And then comes along the losing phase. Okay. Maybe there's a bit of a balance there, or maybe the losing phase um, phase uh, becomes the predominant phase. Now comes the dangerous point, the chasing phase. Now, the chasing phase is where I'll increase my wager in a bet, and if that one comes off, I'll clear my losses for, uh, for the, the past bets that didn't come off. And... Uh, uh, that usually um, involves a higher stake uh, on uh, on bets that look um, more attractive. Instead of a 25 to 1 outsider, you're talking even money. So if it's kind of even money, well, then it takes a much bigger stake um, to make any meaningful win. So that would be the chasing phase. And when the chasing phase doesn't work, and it usually doesn't work, well, then you're into what they call the desperation phase. And Tony obviously got into the desperation phase. I mean, some of the amounts of money and the bets were only crazy. He'd be the first to say that now. He has recovered. He's uh, he's doing um, uh, addiction gambling counselling. Um no better person to know the ins, the outs, the ups, and the terrible downs. Um, and as you say, he finished up in jail. 
Um, yeah, so the desperation phase was where everything got completely out of hand. I mean, at one stage, I think, in the top left-hand corner, I, I, I don't know much about it, the top left-hand corner of his screen was showing 142,000 euro, and I think 10 hours later, it showed either zero or... A minus. He was into um, a minus figure, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He, he'd lost yeah. that much in one day. It was, yeah. it was staggering, absolutely staggering. But the book showed, and what we're trying to get across, how easy it is to go from something that started out as a bit of fun to go from there to to a stage where you're, you're stealing money from work. Absolutely. And, the and family from members. That is and kind of astounding. Um, you know, um, uh, one of the things that um, I, I think was definitely Barry Grant I'm quoting here, uh, about one in five people with a gambling addiction will steal from their employer. Now, that's 20%. And in some cases, it might be, you know, small. And in other cases, it can go crazy. Like, I think uh, Tony was four, four and a half million or something. Um, mm. So, um, and you see, important things can get missed in. Uh, we're talking more the adult population here with uh, mortgage payments being, uh, being missed, um, money being owed to maybe money lenders who would not be as, uh, you know, who, 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 who wouldn't be in the same bracket of um, forbearance as the banks. Um, uh, maxed out credit cards, um, etc. Et All of which leads to enormous stress. And with the old gambling addiction then, uh, the uh, the answer that kind of um, comes to mind is, well, this other bet will clear the whole lot and I'll be OK. And of course it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. OK, Anthony says, uh, it's so easy to bet and now it is exactly what Joe has been saying. And the law pushed through to keep betting shops open until 9.30pm at night was not needed. And this was done without question. The free bet introduction has to be stopped. The government mm. needs to be doing a whole lot more. OK, thank you for that, Anthony. And thank you, Joe. Enjoy your Easter and we'll speak to you next Tuesday. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for joining and likewise us. to you and our listeners to have a nice Easter with good weather. Thanks for that, uh, Joe. You can contact Joe at 08. 86-834-8145 And before we go an email in from a listener saying Hi uh, Patricia only turn on the radio now Any idea why us over 70s when we will be vaccinated I'm one of the not vaccinated I rang the doctor's practice in Formoy last week and was told they're out of vaccines I won't have any more for a fortnight Reports on TV seem to be very different from that uh, thanking you I can just tell you the very latest from the HSC Well this was yesterday Yesterday evening, they say based on supply forecast, they expect to be able to increase the first dose allocation to GPs from the week beginning April the 12th. So you should expect to hear your GP is right. It's going to be a fortnight before he gets the next, before his particular, their, their, he or she, their practice uh, gets the next allocation. I know uh, they find out a week ahead. So the week before the week of the 12th, that GP practice will be contacted to, told, to be told how many vaccines they can expect to get. So you should, Sheila, expect to get a call then. And I know it's frustrating and annoying and all of that, but it's out, certainly out of the control of the uh, doctors. I know 
this week there was 89,000 doses of vaccines given but that was and that was divided up between 540 practices and many of those practices are on to second doses at this stage they have to give the second dose in a certain timeline uh, which obviously people are saying I haven't even done my first dose and there's somebody down the road getting their second but that's the way that they have to be given out so I would I would imagine Sheila you'll be hearing from your GP the week before the week of the 12th which will be next week and then you'll get a date and a timeline for the following week but hang in there I know it's frustrating but your vaccine certainly is on the way Okay that's where we wrap it up for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. The weather forecast certainly for today is lovely. So if you can get out and about and enjoy some of that sunshine. We have temperatures around 13 degrees at the moment in parts of Cork, but it could go up as high as 18 this afternoon. Get out if you can and enjoy. Until tomorrow, 10 o'clock, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon and remember, stay safe. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, Business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.